The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Welcome to What Catholics Believe. I'm Father William Jenkins, the priest in charge at Immaculate Conception Church and Immaculate Conception Academy in Norwood, Ohio. I'm going to uh, answer a listener's request and address a letter that has been issued by Father Franz Schmidtberger. Father Schmidtberger is the current rector of the Society of St. Pius X Seminary in Germany. He's a former superior general of the Society of St. Pius X. And uh, Father Schmidtberger, on February 19th of 2016, uh, sent a letter to the leadership of the Society of St. Pius X, saying that now is the time for the Society to reunite with Rome to seek reunification with Rome under Francis. The uh, letter appeared on the Rorati Chile website. It's entitled uh, Consideracion. Actually, uh, the letter uh, was most widely circulated in French, and there the title is Consideracion sur l'Église et sur la place de la Fraternité sacerdotale de Saint-Pédis Onel, and that's translated as Thoughts About the Church and the Place of the Society of St. Pius X in it. And this uh, translation is by a gentleman uh, named Richard uh, Chonak, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, of the New Liturgical Movement. Uh, but it seems to accord fairly well with the French uh, the French. Although the French might not be the original, original, the uh, German might have been the original language, but nonetheless, the French edition of this letter saw the widest circulation, and so that is being used as a, a bit of a, uh, a, a, a touchstone for the other translations. This English translation does seem to be uh, very accurate, and so I have no hesitation in using it. Uh, Let's take a look at uh, what the Rorati Chile website says about this. The document that the former Superior General of the Society of St. Pius X, Fathers Franz Schmidtberger, uh, current rector of the SSPX Seminary in Germany, sent to other officials of the Society a few weeks ago, and that was leaked in its French original, uh, update, caveat, the first draft might have been in German, but the widest circulation was given to the French version, now has an approved English translation in his Considerations on the Church and on the State of the Society of St. Pius X in it. Father Schmidtberger defends that the time has come for a normalization of the position of the Society in the Church under Pope Francis. Now, uh, I'd like to go through the letter and uh, address things that uh, Father Sch the points that Father Schmidtberger makes here because I think some of them des definitely need to be addressed. Uh, I think uh, that we're definitely heading in the wrong direction here, that Father Schmidtberger is uh, advising the fraternity 
of St. Society of St. Pius X to go in the wrong direction. And this is a direction that they've been pursuing sometime now under Bishop Barafele. So uh, uh, we do need to uh, take a good look at this and um, try to understand which way they're going and why this is a serious mistake. Father Schmidtberger uh, begins by saying, the church is a mystery. Okay, this sounds like something that Francis would write, okay? Uh, we know the church is a, a mystery, of course, um, but the word mystery can be interpreted in various ways. Um, so, uh, the very beginning of the letter of Father Schmidtberger is, Schmidtberger is something of a mystery itself by that statement. Um, and he, he goes on to uh, his second point there. The church is infallible in her divine nature, but she is led by human beings who can go astray and also be burdened with failings. An office should be distinguished from the person in it at a given moment. Well, uh, of course, Father Schmidtberger is, is uh, here raising the question of Francis. As the Pope of the Novus Ordo, the Supreme Pontiff of the New Order, and uh, the New Order Church, which Father Schmidtberger still insists, insists is actually the Catholic Church. And um, Father Schmidtberger does not officially take heart in the religion of the Novus Ordo, I understand, although he might be open to it, I don't know. But uh, nonetheless, the fact is that uh, the Society of St. Pius X is separated from it and has been separated from it. Uh, by the decree of what Father Schmidtberger considers the, the true Church of Christ, the society has been uh, uh, condemned by its authority, although he doesn't recognize that. So we have, uh, right from the beginning here, a, an anomaly, a contradiction, between Father Schmidtberger saying, look, this is the one true church, and we have to be recognized by it. And on the other hand, Father Schmidtberger is saying, but its handling of the society and its decision on the society don't count, because they have no authority to make the decisions about us that they have. Um, so there's something peculiar about this. The Society of St. Pius X's position has been, to say the least, ambivalent. And uh, to say as much as should be said, it's been an ongoing contradiction. Uh, saying that definitely uh, the Novus Ordo is, uh, this, the, this Novus Ordo Church with all of its structure, with all of its personnel, that is the continuation, uh, the continuation of the one true Church of Christ. And with real authority from Christ. And making its decisions with real authority from Christ. And at the same time, in practice, the Society of St. Pius X has not recognized that authority in terms of obeying it at all. Uh, the Society of St. Pius X does not consider itself to be bound, in practice, to obeying any of the authority it claims to recognize in the Novus Ordo Church. And I say in practice, one can go back and look at the track record and see where the society has actually obeyed commands of any of the Novus Ordo bishops or Novus Ordo pontiffs, felt itself obliged to, to obey, obey their authority, which the society claims it recognizes in principle, but evidently not in practice. So there's something wrong here, obviously, and this 
whole attitude, I submit, is not a Catholic attitude toward authority. But in any case, uh, I'll move on from this because I don't want to get bogged down too much. I just, I just see problems here in this thinking, which under these circumstances is extremely dangerous. In uh, point three of his letter, uh, Father Schmidtberger refers to the Society of St. Pius X as a sign of contradiction. <clears throat> and that it is, unfortunately, the contradiction seems to be very much in the part of the Society of St. Pius X. Uh, not really so much that it is a sign of contradiction to the Novus Ordo, uh, which it recognizes as the, as the Catholic Church, and which it is seeking desperately to reunite. But within the Society of St. Pius X, we have this, this, these contradictions. Um, Monsieur Lefebvre, who uh, Father Schmidtberger uh, cites here, refers to as the founder of the Society of St. Pius X, uh, was a member of the Vatican diplomatic corps for many years. And I must say that the, the story of his life uh, reads like the story of a, of a great man, a great churchman, and, and that he was, certainly, no doubt about it. And uh, in the Society of St. Pius X, uh, and for that matter, that matter, nowhere else in any of the traditional uh, groups around the world do at least I see anyone even nearly the equal of Archbishop Lefebvre. Monsieur Lefebvre was quite unique and uh, truly a blessing from God. But Monsieur Lefebvre was a man of peace, and he was always seeking to make peace. Therefore, the fact that he was one who stood out most boldly to denounce the modernism of the Novus Ordo and to hold firmly to the traditional faith, the practice of the traditional faith, the, the traditional Catholic religion, beginning with the Mass, the sacraments, and so on, was something that required him probably to do something that was very much out of his natural character, and that was to see peace. He was always trying to find a way uh, to seek peace with the authorities in Rome of the Novus Ordo uh, for the sake of the souls involved, for the sake of their followers who had hearkened to them. He was trying to open the doors to, for them to return to the traditional faith, return to the practice of the traditional Catholic faith. But he wasn't going to compromise the faith itself or the practice of the faith. And so when he did succeed, finally, after years of effort of uh, uh, coming to some arrangement with the authorities of the Vatican and signing the protocol, when he discovered that it was a trap and they were not dealing with him uh, honestly and sincerely, he acknowledged that. He recognized the fact that, that this was a fraud perpetrated by the modernists of the Novus Ordo. And uh, although he was proceeding in good faith, they were not. And so he simply terminated it right there. Um, he didn't stop talking with them whenever they were willing to call him, or whatever they were willing to, to talk. Um, but he certainly was not going to uh, make any accord with Rome that would surrender uh, the principles of the faith or the, the integrity of the Society of St. Pius X. This is the problem we have now with the current leadership of the society, including Father Schmidtberger. We cannot have that confidence that they uh, are not willing to, to sacrifice the integrity of the faith, the integrity of the society in maintaining the faith, that they are not willing to compromise. Uh, 
Um, and you'll see why as I, as I read on here. Uh, number four of, um, Arch of uh, Father Schmidtberger's letter says this, Despite this, Archbishop Lefebvre always sought a canonical solution for the fraternity, that's the Society of St. Pius X, after its condemnation. It did not shy away from dialogue with the Roman authorities. And the fact is that Monsieur Lefebvre did maintain the lines of communication. He was always ready to talk to them. He would be ready to talk with anyone. He would speak with an atheist who approached him, uh, I'm sure, uh, but he would always speak with the same voice, and that is the voice of a Catholic bishop who was concerned about the souls of those with whom he was addressing uh, and concerned about bringing them back to the faith, certainly not accommodating his faith to theirs <clears throat> or submitting his faith to their judgment, not at all. So the fact that Monsieur Lefebvre kept the lines of communication open certainly doesn't endorse what Father Schmettberger is, is suggesting here at all. And um, the fact that Archbishop Lefebvre, again, was seeking a canonical situation, that is within the laws, the framework of the Novus Ordo, um, simply was his effort to, again, remove an obstacle for the Catholic people who are being held hostage by the Novus Ordo who mistaken believe, mistakenly believed that they had to practice the Novus Ordo religion, and they could not practice the traditional Catholic faith because it was now forbidden, as though forbidden by the Catholic Church, as though forbidden by Christ. And uh, Archbishop Lefebvre wanted to remove that obstacle, uh, remove that, uh, that, that, that shimmera, that... Uh, that uh, lie, basically, that had been perpetrated against the Catholic people to keep them penned up in the Novus Ordo and to keep them away from the Catholic tradition. Monsignor Lefebvre referred to the experiment of tradition. This was his way of putting it to the, to the Novus Ordo authorities, that he be allowed to have the experiment of tradition. Now, I can't believe Monsignor Lefebvre said that, but with a little smile on his face, because... He was actually trying to adopt their um, formulae of language as though Catholic tradition, which had been going on for two millennia, was going to be an experiment. Um, he was basically just trying to couch it in, in language that they had been encouraging, that everybody experiment with this, and experiment with that. And he said, well, at least let us experiment with tradition. Um, but you know, for him, it was no experiment. Uh, he didn't regard the church as some kind of a uh, laboratory animal, a cage to be experimented with. He didn't regard tradition to be an experiment uh, uh, of Christ, an experiment of God the Father, an experiment of the Holy Ghost. Not at all. Uh, he was just, again, uh, trying to put them in a spot where they would show that they were being dishonest by contradicting themselves and permitting all the other experiments, but not this one. This is the one they would not tolerate. But in any case, he certainly wasn't kowtowing to their theology in this. Now, Father Schmidtberger says in number four of his letter that since the year 2000, Rome has made efforts to clean up this situation of opposition sometimes cunningly, sometimes with honest intentions, depending on who is dealing with the problem from the Roman side. And so, uh, because of the developments in that um, 
since the year 2000 attempt to regularize or normalize the situation of the Society of St. Pius X in the Novus Ordo Church, uh, Father Schmidtberger says we have to now um, uh, actually cooperate and uh, begin to seek a solution that Rome has been seeking since 2000. He goes down to number five in his letter, the further dramatic decline of the church since then and the simultaneously steady development of the society have brought one or another cardinal or bishop to a partial or general understanding, one that he could not admit publicly, however, without further ado. Now, again, that what does he mean, without further ado, that a bishop or a cardinal couldn't admit publicly that he was sympathetic to the cause of Catholic tradition or the so-called experimental tradition of the society? What further ado is he talking about? He's talking about a backlash from the Novosoro authorities? If it is a matter of a backlash that they had to fear, then that tells you where the Novosoro is. And then we ask, well, why then, if even their own bishops and cardinals were favorable to the society and its experiment of tradition, if they're afraid to come out openly and, and state their, their support or their agreement, if they're afraid of their own officials, why would Father Schmidtberger think this is the time to, to sign up? Um, it doesn't make sense. But he goes on and he says, For its part, Rome has dialed back its demands, little by little. And in the latest proposals, there was no more talk about recognizing Vatican II or the legitimacy of the Novus Ordo Missae. So it seems that the moment has come to normalize the situation of the society. And when he says normalize, he really does mean that normalize in the sense of being recognized by the modernists in Rome. That, for him, is normalization of the status of the society. Hard to imagine, but read it for yourself. This is what he says. And he says, the time has come to normalize the situation of the society for various reasons. And he gives the following reasons. He says, first of all, every abnormal situation inherently tends toward normalization. Now, now when I read that statement the first time, I thought, what what does that mean? Does it have any meaning at all? And if so, is it true? Every abnormal situation inherently tends toward normalization? I don't think so. Fallen human nature being what it is. I mean, is this the pendulum theory that everything tends to seek a certain balance in nature? Everything tends to seek a certain midpoint, human nature tends to find the middle way of virtue by, by nature? Is he, is he ignoring the effects of original sin here? That's not true. What he's saying here is simply not true. It's, it's, it's well, I, I won't say it's absurd, but it's simply not true. I mean, even in the physical world, uh, the second law of entropy, the, the law of thermodynamics that says that the disorder in a system tends to increase, that randomness tends to increase. That's true of the physical world. Well, it's definitely true of the human psyche because of original sin. And to say every abnormal situation inherently tends toward its normalization and makes that the first reason why the society should seek to normalize its situation with the modernists in Rome, this to me is inconceivable. And he says it has to do with the very nature of the matter. What, the nature of modernism? The nature of Catholicism? I don't think so. How can you normalize 
the system, the religion of Catholicism within the system of modernism. That is absurd. I don't understand where he's thinking here. Now, secondly, let us not lose sight of the danger that the faithful in certain confers may get used to the abnormal situation and regard it as normal. So this is his second reason for wanting to seek union with Rome right now. That the faithful who are with the Society of St. Pius X and certain of their own members, the clergy members of the Society of St. Pius X, might get used to and accept as maybe normal the abnormal situation of the Society of St. Pius X. Well, the situation is abnormal. But the situation in Rome is abnormal. That's the source of all this. Is he forgetting this? Is he forgetting the point? Is he forgetting the essential problem here? That what is happening in Rome, in the Vatican, is abnormal. Not only is it abnormal, it is the opposite of normal. It is about as opposed to being normal as it possibly can. We have the antithesis of normality for the Catholic religion, the Catholic faith, going on right now in Rome. The enemies of the faith are ensconced there. And uh, attacking the faith, uh, with the apparent, they're trying to make it appear, they're using the authority of Peter, of Christ, of God, to, uh, to destroy the faith. I mean, this is what the modernists do. St. Pius X told us in Pashendi in 1907. He told us what they, what they do. Why suddenly are we now talking like this, as though we forgot all of that? And so... Um, he, he refers to the fact that within the fraternity of, of St. Pius X, uh, the priestly fraternity, as it is called, um, there was objection to or a disregard for Francis's conferral of ordinary jurisdiction for confession on priests of the Society of St. Pius X that uh, the clergy of the society were disregarding this. Well, as he goes on to say here, I mean, the confreres, his own fellow priests in the Society of St. Pius X, were disregarding this for a very good reason. They, they had been saying all along that we do have the necessary jurisdiction from the church to give absolution. We don't need Francis's approval to do it. We don't need the approval of modernists. We don't need the approval of the modernist-in-chief to do it. So they were taking Francis's approval as a kind of fiction, that it really wasn't at all necessary. And to admit it was to basically deny what they had been saying along, that they already had it, jurisdiction from the church to absolve uh, the baptized from sins. And so no wonder they were ignoring it. They, they almost logically had to, really. If they really meant what they said all those years, that they didn't need it, in order to absolve validly. They proceeded on that basis for all those years, so um, of course they were going to ignore that. And uh, if uh, Father Schmidtberger sees a problem with that, then there's a problem with his way of thinking. But he goes on to say this in his point number two. If the faithful or some confreres feel comfortable in this situation of freedom relating to independence from the hierarchy, then this indicates a creeping loss of the census ecclesiae. 
And again, uh, one must say, uh, quite the contrary. If the faithful or some confreres, some of the clergy in the society of St. Pius X, uh, feel uncomfortable with the situation, as though they cannot proceed honestly without the authority of the modernists in Rome, then they should honestly just stop it altogether and go back to the Novus Ordo, which has the approval of the modernists in Rome. And not only that, but um, beyond that, even if the faithful in the Society of St. Pius X and their clergy um, feel comfortable with the situation of freedom, as he calls it, uh, independence from the hierarchy, the modernists installed by, maintained by, and promoted by the chief modernists in Rome, if the faithful of the SSPX feel um, um, okay with this, they feel comfortable with it, he says, being free of that, he says that indicates a, a creeping loss of the census ecclesiae. But it was the census ecclesiae, ecclesiae, the census ecclesiae, that got the Catholic people to reject the Novus Ordo in the first place. So how is it that now, after all these years, when we might say not only has nothing changed, but it's just gotten worse, actually, the problem has intensified on the modernist side of this issue. Why are we supposed to now feel uncomfortable with our situation? And why would that indicate a creeping loss of the sense of the church in people who had enough sense of the church to realize that that was not the Catholic Church to begin with? And they had to, they had to shake the dust off their shoes, the modernist dust that they'd accumulated on their shoes, and leave before they were buried in this cloud of modernism. As I say, uh, what Father Schmidtberger says here is the opposite of the truth. The census ecclesia is what tells us we can't, we can't do this. We can't go back to these people. We cannot submit to them. We cannot count out to them. We cannot pretend that we need their approval um, because we, we can't trust them. They are not friends of the faith. They are not, they are not friends of Christ. It is Catholic faith. He says then, we must never argue. We have sound teaching, the true Holy Mass, our seminaries and priories, and above all bishops, so we don't need anything. Okay, if you say don't need anything, yes, we need a real Catholic Pope who acts like a real Catholic Pope. That's, of course, what we need. That's what the Church always needs. That's what the Church has always needed. A real Catholic pontiff who is a saint and who has the Catholic faith and would live and die for the Catholic faith, would live and die out of love for our Lord Jesus Christ and his loyalty to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. That's what the church has always needed. But to say we don't need anything, if he's meaning by this, we don't need the modernist approval, then we would say we don't need the modernist approval. That's what we've been saying all along. So why would he say that? Why would he say we must never argue we have sound teaching, the true Holy Mass, our seminaries and priories, and above all, we have bishops, so we don't need anything. We must never say that. When you realize what he's actually saying is we must never say that we don't need the modernist approval from the Vatican. Because that's what you got 
You've got the modernists in the Vatican. I, I can't believe you would deny that right now. And number three, he says, we very likely have sympathizers and friends among bishops and cardinals. This is in the Novus Ordo Church here. He says, um, they are like Nicodemus. He compares them to Nicodemus who came to our Lord in a cover of darkness because they didn't want to be revealed as um, followers of our Lord. Okay. He says they're waiting impatiently for a solution that would strengthen their backbone personally. If they don't have the backbone now to stand up for the faith, what can we expect from them when the heat is on, as the heat is going to be on? The pressure is going to be on for the modernists to conform. This doesn't make sense. I mean, um, we're supposed to go back and try to uh, tie ourselves to the modernists now so that some sympathetic bishops and cardinals will have the backbone, as he says, to come out uh, of the darkness. Look, when did Nicodemus and, and Joseph of Arimathea come out of the darkness? When our Lord was crucified, when he was hanging dead on the cross, that's when they came out of the darkness. And it wasn't because when our Lord said, I think I'd better make it easy on these people and start dialoguing now with the, uh, with the Sanhedrin or dialoguing with the Pharisees, or maybe entering into meaningful dialogue with the Sadducees. That will give the Nicodemuses uh, courage to be a little more forthcoming, even maybe talk to me in the light, or be seen with me during the daytime. That's not how our Lord did this. What is Father Schmittrick suggesting here? He says a lot of the barriers and inhibitions among orthodox but anxious Catholics would come down. That would put an end to the talk heard in the mass media and elsewhere about the schismatic or rebellious society separated from the church. So now we're going to uh, let the cries in the secular atheist uh, anti-God media play some kind of role uh, in, in, uh, as an argument that we should get together with Rome so that now we can somehow stick our tongue out at them and say, Look, now now we're all buddy-buddy again. We have photo ops together with Francis in the Vatican. This is, again, not, not right thinking. Not right thinking at all. His fourth argument is that in coming years, we urgently need new bishops. So he says to consecrate them without a papal mandate is certainly possible in an extreme emergency. Remember, the society did. Archbishop Lefebvre did that. Exact thing. In 1988, he did that, for which he was excommunicated, even contrary to their new code of canon law that says if somebody acts in good faith because, out of a sense of necessity, he's not subject to censure. But they went ahead and they excommunicated Monsieur Lefebvre anyway for doing this. And then Father Schmidtberger says, but if bishops can't be consecrated with Rome's permission, we must ask for that permission. And then he adds in handwriting, it says here, the word today. Today we must ask that permission. Now, now we need Rome's permission to consecrate new bishops, he says. And why? The cir circumstances have not ameliorated in any way from 1988 to the year 2016. If anything, they've just gone worse. And so, um, Father Schmidtberger um in saying that Rome's remission is needed today, I think is setting the society up for a very serious problem in the future. Uh, putting it almost in a, in, a, in a situation of a dilemma. 
either we renew our ties of Rome or we can't consecrate new bishops legitimately without the approval of now the Novus Ordo Pontiff. And so the society is doomed to death. But what is he saying here? And why is he saying it? I don't know. Um, he goes out to number five, modernists, liberals, other enemies of the church are very upset about steps toward a canonical solution for the society. Doesn't the discernment of spirits make it clear that this is the right way and good? Well, there is such a thing as the discernment of spirits in Catholic spiritual theology, there's no doubt about it, but then we also hear the word discernment used very often by the Novus Ordo, by Francis notably in his latest uh, apostolic exhortation, Amoris Laetitia, we have to dis practice discernment, discernment, discernment. He says we have to practice discernment on the question of whether those living in open adultery should really be given the sacraments, because after all, they are at times really in the state of grace and they have no choice. This discernment word is used by the Novus Ordo so much that as soon as I see it here, uh, it sets off an alarm bell. In other words, he's saying here that because the modernists and the liberals and other enemies of the church are upset about the idea of the Society of St. Pius X being regularized with the Novus Ordo, we should discern from that that it's a good thing because they partisans of the devil as they are, they know that it's a bad thing for them, it must be a good thing for us. And again, uh, I would say this is a very poor argument. Uh, it's no argument at all. He said the good would be encouraged, the evildoers would suffer a defeat. The message that it would send, actually, is that the Catholic faith and modernism are compatible. Even if you saw them as two different religions, you would have to admit that one church can have two different religions, two even mutually opposed religions, and that this is the one true church of Christ, his own established church, of which he is the invisible head. A church with two different religions, mutually opposed to each other, even unto death. How can this be? What blasphemy is this? The other alternative is to say, well, Catholicism and modernism are not mutually exclusive. And they could be reducible to basically the same religion. Well, the modernists would love that one, because that's exactly what they're trying to do. In their ecumenism, they're trying to reduce all religions to one world religion, kind of a big uh, a plasma, like a, like a religious plasma. And um, they would love nothing better than to take traditional Catholicism and absorb it into this black hole of modernist religious experience. God forbid that this should happen to the Society of St. Pius X uh, or any other traditional uh, organization. If it really is a traditional Catholic organization, God forbid that it should go that way. No, the good would not be encouraged. The good would be defeated. It is rather the modernists who would be congratulating themselves on a victory that they had swallowed the Society of St. Pius X. Um... I'm going to break off here, actually, from considering his letter, because uh, he goes on and answers some of his objections. And I'm going to make this point and then, then leave, leave his letter behind for a moment. Uh, Tom Anderson used to tell the story about a hunter. 
And uh, uh, the hunter went into the forest one day with his gun, and uh, he was hunting for bear. And there he came up into a clearing just at the time a bear, an enormous bear was entering the other side of the clearing in the forest, and they faced each other across this, this clearing. The hunter raised his gun, and as he was about to pull the trigger, the bear put up his great paw, and he said, No, Mr. Hunter, please, let's be reasonable. I mean, after all, we can talk this out if we can just sit down and have a, a dialogue together, I'm sure we can work this out and we can both get what we really want. And the hunter lowered his gun for a moment and thought, well, this is certainly reasonable. I mean, there's no reason to kill this bear if I don't have to, if I can get what I want, after all. Um, the bear can go his way and live, and I can go my way and... Uh, and have uh, satisfied what we need. So the bear sat down with the hunter and they engaged in meaningful dialogue. And in the end, they, they both got what they wanted. The bear got a full stomach and the hunter got a fur coat. If you catch my drift. And this is what we're facing here. Because this is what the bear will do. The modernists are the bear. They want to swallow the traditional Catholic religion whole. They want to swallow the society that buys a tenth whole. And give it a fur coat. And it will get a fur coat of modernism. There's another story that Tom Anderson told some years ago that I thought was rather interesting. He talked about a farmer who was having trouble with feral pigs coming out of the woods and destroying his crops. And no matter what the hunter tried, it didn't work. The pigs always outsmarted him. But one day he had a gentleman come by who had heard he had the problem and said, uh, I can guarantee you that I can take care of this problem for you. It'll just take a little time. Uh, so the farmer contracted with the, uh, the, the adventurer there and said, Okay, I'll give you a chance. I'll pay you handsomely if you can make this work. So the farmer... Uh, one day he went out in his field and he saw that one short section of fence had been erected. Standing there all by its lonesome, though, it, wasn't, it didn't enclose anything, it couldn't really do any good. And the hunter had put some, uh, put some corn out there uh, to attract the pigs. Well, the older, wiser pigs were very shrewd and they wouldn't go anywhere near it, but the the little piglets, you know, they were daring and they were hungry and they would dart out to get some of the corn. The old mom and daddy pig would squeal uh, for, ferociously at the little ones, but pretty soon when the little ones uh, found that they could run out, grab the corn, run back without being uh, molested in any way, more and more of them took the chance. And as more and more of them were coming out, then, little by little, day by day, the farmer would add a section of fence until he finally had brought the ends of the fence sections close enough that there was a passageway about the width of a gate. 
And by this time, the older and uh, shrewder pigs had gotten used to the idea that they could race in, grab the corn, and race out with no consequences. Until one day, of course, the farmer uh, watched the, uh, the fenceman wait till all the pigs were in there chowing down on a particularly rich stash of corn and then he pulled the rope with the gate slammed shut and the pigs were caught and the, the pigs squealed squealed like demons but the fenceman said, turned to the farmer and said there's not an animal on the face of this earth I cannot catch by getting it to take a handout out of my hand and catch it all. So there's a danger there. There's a great danger for the modernists. They understand this. They're very shrewd because they have the shrewdness of the devil behind them. And we have to be very, 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 very careful in dealing with them, even in our good faith. Um, it is inconceivable to me that Father Schmidtberger be, should be making such a suggestion at this time, but it seems to be very much in line with uh, the thinking of Bishop Fillet. Uh, in wanting to maintain this dialogue with Rome and keep recognizing the, the Catholic authority in Rome, even while they, in Rome, are seeking ways to annihilate what's left of the Catholic faith, even to the point of co-opting it and allowing their own ministers to say a Latin Mass for the sake of luring the, the youngsters out of the forest to take the corn out of their hands. That's their indult mass or Samorum Bontificum. Do we need to remember who we're dealing with here? Remember Francis, the year 2014, visited Turkey on the second day of his visit to Turkey. Francis went farther than Benedict XVI ever went by praying openly in the Blue Mosque, side by side with the Grand Mufti, Yes, in the mosque, a blue mosque of, of, uh, in Turkey, praying there with the Grand Mufti, side by side. The Grand Mufti with his hands open, Francis with his head bowed, and his hands folded clearly in prayer. <clears throat> and so we read here, uh, again, this is from the Rorate Cheli website, and we're reading this from... Le Figaro's Vaticanist Jean-Marie Guenard, 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 I guess, or Guenard, excuse me for my pronunciation here. And uh, supposedly it originates with the special envoy in Istanbul for Le Figaro. Pope Francis prayed explicitly on Saturday morning in the Blue Mosque of Istanbul, side by side with the Grand Mufti. And the correspondent goes on to say this, uh, the successor of Benedict XVI, in the same mosque, did very visibly cross his fingers, bowed his head for a long time, while deeply closing his eyes, from two to three minutes, in order to obviously pray, and to make clear that he was praying, and this in the direction of the mihrab, that niche in the wall framed by two pillars that indicates the Qibla, that is the direction of the Kaaba in Mecca. So Francis is facing Mecca in prayer. 
A strong gesture in the form of a message that is inscribed in the general line of this voyage of Francis that is understood as an stretched out hand to Islam in order to fight fundamentalism. Francis is a great condemner of fundamentalism, any fundamentalism, okay? But we have to remember now, Francis may have said he's, he's doing this uh, to somehow fight Islamic fundamentalism. But is his not standing next to the Grand Mufti, facing the Kaaba in Mecca in prayer, is that not more of an attack on Catholic, quote-unquote, fundamentalism, as Francis calls it, the traditional Catholic faith? That gesture is more of an attack on Catholicism than it is a support of peaceful Islam, that's for sure. As a matter of fact, uh, the Vatican spokesman, Father Federico Lombardi, called it silent adoration of the Pope, the Pope of the Novus Ordo. And that Francis had said to his host, the Grand Mufti, we must adore God. And so we ask, was Francis adoring Allah, the Muslim God? Is that what he's telling us here? Again, Francis has no problem with that because he says it's the same God. So what do we expect from that? This is the same Francis who praised publicly Emma Bonino, the great purveyor of homosexuality and abortion in Italy. Perhaps the strongest crusader for homosexual uh, legal status and abortion rights in Italy. This Emma Bonino, a great buddy of St. Francis who really admires her and spoke very admiringly of her. He speaks admiringly of all the enemies of the faith and all the enemies of Christ. Are we not getting the message, Father Schmidtberger? And Pope Francis, at the same time, is condemning those who are devoted to Catholic tradition. He calls them Catholic fundamentalists. He says he has a right to condemn fundamentalism because he has the fundamentalists in his own church, he says. And then he goes on to condemn the fundamentalists as not belonging to his own church, as though they're alien to him. He calls them Neo-Pelagians. Pelagianism is a heresy. He calls them Neo-Gnostics. Gnosticism is an arch-heresy, okay? And you might even refer to it as, as apostasy, Gnosticism. He refers to the Restorationists, whom he uh, condemns as idolaters. He even speaks of them as idolaters. Those who were opposed to his Amoris Laetitia, love in the family, his apostolic acceptation. He, he referred to as idolaters because they, in a sense, are stuck to an idol of tradition. That is the way the church has done things and judged things in the past. And they are not open to the surprise of the spirit. Whatever that is. Whatever spirit that is. Well, is that the Holy Ghost? The church recognized third person of the Blessed Trinity? Is he the 
the spirit of surprises. I'm sorry, but our Lord Jesus Christ, whom Francis claims to represent, caused the Holy Ghost the spirit of truth, not the spirit of surprises. Francis is filled with the spirit of surprises, but this is not the Holy Ghost. Father Schmidtberger, please be careful, you know, before you begin to deal with the spirit of surprises in Francis, okay? We have to pray for the Society of St. Pius X here, that it not be waylaid into the realm of Francis, who am I to judge? Bergoglio, a man who is incompetent to judge homosexuals in their homosexuality, in their practice of homosexuality, a man who is incompetent even to tell Lutherans that they cannot receive what we would regard Holy Communion. He can't do it. He says he's not able to do it. Talk to the theologians. Talk to God yourself, is what he told the woman, the Lutheran woman. But a man who is very competent and ready, ready at any moment to condemn the traditional Catholics as being idolaters, neo-Pelagians, neo-Gnostics, um, he's very ready to condemn them. Father Schmidtberger wants to normalize the situation of the Society of St. Pius X. He wants to change the irregular situation of the Society of St. Pius X in the Novus Ordo. But has he forgotten the reason and the cause of this irregular situation in the first place? Has he forgotten the very meaning of the irregular situation, why it is an irregular situation? Has the irregular situation changed? Or has the Society of St. Pius X changed? Has Father Schmidtberger changed? I don't know. It would seem so. Idolaters, the traditional Catholics as idolaters? Well, you know, there was a time in Athens when a man named Socrates was condemned to die. And he was condemned to die as an atheist because he did not recognize the false gods of the pagan Athenian society. Now, Socrates was not really an atheist. He seemed to recognize a supreme being, if we can go so far as to say that, his rejection of the Athenian false gods did not make him an atheist. But Socrates was condemned to die by drinking the hemlock. I'm asking Father Schmidtberger and the Society of St. Pius X, please don't drink the hemlock. Or perhaps in our day and age, it should be this rather, please, please don't drink the modernist Kool-Aid. Well, God bless you all.